0: Let us pray. O Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. So what does your garden look like this time of year? I know mine is just withering away at this point and I got mine in kind of late so there's a few tomatoes coming in but right now I know down at the farmers market you can go down there and they've got flowers and such they're, they're selling and you can still display flowers in, in, into your porch and around your house up in Wisconsin where I'm from it's not really possible to keep on doing that but you see how uh, the work of A gardener can go on and on and it has its seasons, its times of plenty and its times of less, times of growth, times of rest. The Bible is very interested in gardens. From the very beginning of the Bible, you see how God is interested in gardening. He's interested in growth and growing. He's interested in trees and fruit. In the NIV translation, you can count references to trees, fruit, branch, root, forest, vine, leaf. And just by these categories, you can come up with over 800 references. In my Bible, that means you come across a reference to some sort of plant or tree every two pages. Basically, every time you open up the Bible on average, there's probably a tree or a plant or fruit nearby. The Bible begins in the garden where God, out of, every, out of the ground, God plants a garden and has spring up every plant and every tree that was good for food. And it ends in a garden in Revelation where it says, Through the midst of the street on either side of the river there was a tree of life bearing twelve fruits and healing the nations. The scriptures are developing this theme, not just because God is interested in feeding us, but because God's interested in our hearts. And he's trying to capture spiritual truths about what it means to have God's word in us, and what it means to have life, and what it means to grow and mature as a believer through this picture. He puts Adam in charge of the garden to tend and to keep it because he wants him to learn what God's work is all about. It's about tending and keeping you. Only Adam does not grasp this real meaning. He neglects his greater duty and the world that once brought forth every tree that was good for food now brings forth thorns and thistles. Despite all this, the Lord does not give up. He's still dedicated to the garden, which is why Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but he meditates on God's word day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit every season. Showing us that being rooted in the word and growing patiently daily in God's Word is what's going to truly bring us life. What's your garden looking like this time of year? In the story of the book of Acts, you have Luke, the writer, building on this theme. We just got to the end of chapter 12 in our last sermon, and it has this short little verse that's stuck in there kind of as a summary, which says, the word of the Lord increased and multiplied. In fact, this phrase, the word of the Lord grew, was used as a title to a book that I had in seminary. It was written by Martin Fransman, a Lutheran seminary professor who wrote a book which was a commentary on the book of Acts, and he called it the word of the Lord grew. This phrase comes up three times in the book of Acts, giving kind of an outline to these movements in the book of Acts, where despite the persecution and difficulty they're facing, the word keeps growing. It comes up in chapter 6, verse 7, which is right after an imprisonment, where the Jewish council have taken Peter and James, and they've locked him up twice. Twice they've tried to imprison them, and twice God has set them free. So it says, the word of the Lord grew. In chapter 12, it comes up again, and this time another imprisonment by Herod. Herod had Peter locked up and told him, uh, was threatening to kill him as he killed James, but the Lord set him free again, and the word of the Lord grew. And finally, in chapter 19, verse 20, Paul is preaching in Ephesus, and he's doing battle with the pagan beliefs and idolatry in that city, the cultic magic practices. And many of the people are converted from their religion, and they burn their books of magic, and they come to follow Paul. And it says, The word of the Lord grew. So in the sermon, we're going to be looking at that theme kind of as a final summary to our series. We've been talking about Acts as a community testifying with the Spirit. And we've been looking at these key words. So can anybody remember any of the key words that we've covered so far in the last eight to ten weeks in our series on Acts? Do you remember any of the words that were put in the sermon theme? Maybe you can just give me one. Bold. Bold. That was one of them. Yep. Anybody else? Proclamation. Proclamation. Yep. So last week, uh, we were looking at Peter. And we, we had a key word there, too, that the church was doing something while Peter was in prison. What was the church doing while Peter was in prison? Pray. Pray. That was another key word. We've had the words witness, boldness, fellowship, proclamation, Jesus, chosen, impartial, repentant, and pray. And today we come to the word growing. Now each of those words is just a word, but some of you might be perked to remember how, what the word was attached to. So it's more than just a word. Each of those words is attached to a picture, and each of those pictures is attached to a story, and those stories are coming alive in the scriptures so that one word for us can prompt a whole vocabulary, a whole Story of meaning, not just for them, but for us. What does it mean to be a witness? Why is it important that we are bold? Why would we pray when things look dark and without hope? Each word is more than a word because it's the Holy Spirit's way of growing thoughts in our heart and mind. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then he who plants is nothing, and he who waters is nothing, but it's God who gives growth. That God giving growth through his word is what we are truly about as a church, not just in sermons and not just at this time on Sunday morning, but in Bible class. Why it's so important to be in Bible class because this is all the work of our church gardening, at home, in these small groups, over coffee, with your kids at night. It's all part connected to the work of tending and keeping like Adam was told to do. In these three movements, then, the word of the Lord grows. But it grows not because things are easy, not because the ground is particularly well-suited to it, not because it is such a joy to go out there and sweat and suffer. No, the word grows among rocky soil and thorny soil and hardened paths. Each of the time the word of the Lord grows, it's accompanied by persecution, by opposition. But it does find good soil. And it takes root. And it is like a tree planted by rivers of water that's bringing forth its fruit. We need to stay watered. You can imagine Paul and Barnabas now. They're setting out on this missionary journey, not knowing what they're going to face. And every step of the way, facing trouble, facing opposition, facing suffering. And wondering what's going to be the result of all this. Within one year, they had enough to complain about that they could have quit and gave up altogether. But they don't. The word grew and multiplied in chapter 6. The word grew and multiplied in chapter 12. And then in chapter 19, it said the word grew and prevailed. You notice how it's building on this theme. The word is fruitful and growing. The word is fruitful and growing. The word is fruitful and then it's prevailing by the end of the book of Acts. It is winning. Would anyone here like to see our church grow? Raise your hand if you'd like to see our church grow. Okay, good. Now, how does that happen? The book of Acts is telling us that there's no church growth without word growth. There is no such thing as church growth if it is not also word growth. The word of the Lord grew, and with it grew the numbers of disciples. But the word comes first. And what it's saying that is we're going to face a lot of opposition. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face thorns and thistles where it seems like the garden is not responding to the work we're doing. And we might want to give up. When I first came to Columbia... I came to a well manicured garden that Pastor Fossum had been keeping there at the house and you could tell he knew what he was doing with the things he had planted and the way it cared for the plants around the house but as any new job will prove I got caught up in other things I got caught up in meetings and visits etc etc and pretty soon two years went by and I had barely done much other than mowing the grass. Before I knew it, I looked in the backyard and these thorny, evil, wiry, snake-like weeds had grown up everywhere. They seemed to grow where nothing else should grow, and they had virtually taken over that backyard. Pastor Fossum told me, yeah, you'll never stop fighting those guys. It took me about another two years to get those snake weeds under control. I had to do a lot of cutting, a lot of uh, chemicals, different things to try to get rid of them, and they're still there. But after another two years or so, I was finally able to see the azalea start to come back in that area of the garden. I finally saw that things were getting caught up enough that the new growth and the good growth could start to show itself was not being choked out. Well, now I've been at this church for six coming on seven years, and I'm looking at that garden and thinking, well, how is everyone's garden looking? Now, you could imagine if you were to neglect your heart and you were to neglect the word for two years of your life, what would grow up in the meantime so you're not cultivating you're not watering you're not reading the word you're not e- paying attention to god what's going to grow up in 2 years <laughs> the nasty thorns those nasty thorns those snake like weeds before you know it In all the busy work, new jobs, changes, losses, anger, shame, escape, and addiction. You might find it snuck up on you so quickly that it's overwhelming to think of catching up on that garden. But you wake up one day and you want to do something about it. You don't want these thorns and thistles living in your garden and choking out the good fruit and it begins right there with your heart. Your heart is where the word is sown. Your heart is where the new birth happens, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop just because you've confronted some dark or some sad or some painful things that you're dealing with in your soul. That's only the beginning, and that's the beginning of a long process. If it took two years for you to neglect the weeds, You can imagine another two years ahead of you as you begin to cut back, as you begin to address those things, as you begin to nourish the word within you. Each of these movements in the book of Acts are times where God has done a lot of work over a significant period of time. And finally, he can say, the word of the Lord grew. Or more literally, the word of the Lord was fruitful and multiplied Where have we heard that phrase before? It was fruitful and it multiplied. Well, if you're in Bible class, you know it already because we talked about it. It happened to come up from Genesis chapter 1. It comes up right away, the very beginning where the Bible begins in a garden. And God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's the language of horticulture. It's the language of humans being like plants, planting themselves everywhere in this world and bringing forth fruit, children, family, but also bringing forth growth, goodness, and beauty. Adam and Eve were supposed to be fruitful and multiply, and now Luke is playing off that very phrase, and he uses the exact same Greek words you find in the Greek Bible in Genesis 1 when he says the word of the Lord was fruitful and multiplied. Just like Adam and Eve were designed to bring forth seed, to plant it, to see it grow around them in the families and societies that they were starting, The Word continues to do that in our world. The Word is the seed. And the growth is not just about numbers. Fruitfulness and growth is not just about numbers. It's not about how many people are sitting in the pews today. It's not about how many new members came into the church last week. It begins with you individually. It begins with one person growing and maturing, with having the Word take a deeper place in your life. It requires patience. It requires a lasting, rooting relationship with the Lord and your heart over a long period of time. And then it continues in our congregation. As a church together, A body of Christ, one body, we are growing and maturing. We're binding ourselves together against the thorns and thistles that are popping up in everybody's lives. We're taking care of the vineyard that Jesus told us to take care of. And that's the kingdom. And finally, when those things have done their work in your individual growth and maturity, in a church growth and maturity, then... The Lord can bring the numbers. He can bring new people. But we have to be sure that first we're growing, and then that growth will spread to others. Earlier in our service, we read these words from Isaiah chapter 55. It says... As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, make it bring forth and sprout, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing And all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So I'll ask you again, what does your garden look like? Now like me, no garden is perfect. It's going to have thorns and thistles. You're going to have fruit that turns bad. You're going to have sin in your life. This particular message here that Isaiah is sending is to the children of Israel at a time where they were having a world of opposition against them. They're sent into exile. They're suffering and lost. And it seems their hope has disappeared. And God says, no. No. My word will not return to me void. It will accomplish the thing for which I've sent it. And whatever season you're in, then, and whatever forsakenness you might experience, God is saying, Be patient, for you shall be led out of this in joy and peace. And where there were thorns, there will be a cypress tree. Be patient, be dedicated. Be faithful to the word and it will not let you down.